There's a lot of pressure these days, and the future seems more uncertain than ever. Do you feel it too? Redeemer University is a place to learn and think about how God's kingdom is at work in social work, politics, media, and more. It's an opportunity to join a diverse Christian academic community while exploring how to follow Christ in real, tangible ways. Applications submitted on Redeemer's website before January 31st will have the fee waived. Visit Redeemer.ca today. God doesn't reject the foolish, the lowly, and the weak. He chooses them. He chooses us. And He takes those weaknesses and redeems us into things that we can love. That's Amy Carroll, and she's our guest today on Focus on the Family, along with her friend and co-author Sherry Gregory, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. You know, John, a common theme we hear at Focus on the Family is women feeling overwhelmed. It's very common. Uh, As they express it, they tell us they feel the pressure of expectations, obligations surrounding home life, family, work, church, friends, and the list keeps going. I see that with Jean. I was talking to her early today and just asked her, what's an example where she has felt those things? And she reminded me of a story. She was the homeroom mom. You know, we had our boys in charter school, and she had made a commitment to do the Christmas party both for Trent's class and Troy's class, never realizing they were going to land at the same time. I mean, so she literally had to be in two places, and then she selected a craft that was way beyond the age of either Trent's class or Troy's class, so they needed extra help. And she said it was just a mind-blowing experience, and she felt so inadequate afterward that she didn't realize the timing problem. The kids did not have a great experience, so she failed them, and she just brought that all home, you know, that burden of, I'm terrible. How could I do this as a mother? And there are a lot of moms, whatever that example is, I know you're thinking of it right now, Mm -hmm. uh, that made you feel less than perfect. And guess what? That's okay. You are less than perfect, (laughs) just like the rest of us. And today we want to encourage you as a woman to uh, step back and take a breath of fresh air. And we hope to help you uh, better understand who you are in Christ with our guest today. And Sherry Gregory and Amy Carroll will help us uh, understand a little bit better how to uh, let go of things and uh, really rest, as you said, Jim. Both have been with us here before. Amy is a writer and speaker for Proverbs 31 Ministries. Sherry is also a popular speaker and writer, and together they host the Grit and Grace podcast. Uh, They've written a great book called Exhale, Lose Who You're Not, Love Who You Are, Live Your One Life Well. And of course, we have copies of that at focusonthefamily.ca. Sherry and Amy, welcome back to Focus on the Family. Well, thank you so much. We are super excited to be here. It's great to be here It's always good to have you here. You bring such uh, wonderful content. For women who, you know, like most women, are just struggling with something, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a great book, Exhale. Uh, Jean, in fact, was able to flip through it. She's looking forward to reading it. But it really touched her heart. I think you've got a great message here for women. Uh, you're both speakers with the mission to encourage women. Um, what are you hearing from the ladies you talk with? I mentioned what we're hearing here at Focus. What is the pressure or some of the pressures, examples of that pressure that they're feeling? We hear from so many women who are, they might be like us, who are, they feel like they're suffocating under the pressures of being all things to all people. Has it always been that way? I mean, really? 
I think it has been to some degree. Women have always worn a lot of hats, but I think social media has amped it up. What about you, Sherry? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that we feel strongly is that they they desperately want to love their people well. They want to bring glory to God. And then they have these desires in their heart that they'd like to fulfill, but they feel like they have to pick two out of the three. Like there's no possible way they could do all three. Mm. And so you can guess the one that gets shifted aside. Of course, they're going to try to bring glory to God. Of course, they're going to care for their family. And so the desires of their hearts feel almost selfish to even think about. You paint a picture in the book about that woman who's waking up at two in the morning. I think you use the 237. That's right, 237. <laughs> there may be significance in that, but whoever's waking up at 237, please write or call us. But you have that picture of that woman in mind, waking up in the morning, stressed out at 237. Um, describe what that is getting at. You know, she's managed to fall asleep, and then her brain wakes her, wakes her up, and it's like a you guys remember that scene in um, I Love Lucy of <laughs> Ethel and Lucy at the chocolate factory oh, the and the chocolates yes. conveyor belt just keep coming. Uh. And that's what's going on in her head. The thing that's important about, about this conversation is we're not necessarily talking about external pressures. We're talking about those internal pressures that just keep mounting. And she has to pick up the dry cleaning and she has to do this for the kids and this at work and this and this and this and ah, and she can't get back to sleep. And she's wondering what is she doing wrong? What's wrong with her? Where has she failed? Yeah. And she's trying so hard to do so much good. You know, this is uh, not a book question, uh, but it's one that's always um, kind of circulated in my mind about men and women and the differences. And I've said this often, but women seem to um, own the burden of failure much more than men. I mean, men, it's uh, it's the other guy's fault. I think it might be our pride and ego that gets there and it saves us (laughs) to one degree from owning stuff. But with women, it's just, they always seem to look to their own faults first. And it's an amazing capacity, but it can be debilitating if taken to an extreme, right? Well, I agree with that. I think that it springs out of some of our greatest strengths. We're We are created in the image of God, and we reflect his image in the way we love people, we nurture people, we take on responsibility for the people around us, whether it's our neighbors or our family members or the people we work with, and we care so much, and that's a wonderful thing. It is. But it can be our biggest downside, too, when we start to shoulder all of that in our own strength and We don't live what Sherry and I call the examined life. Uh, Our tendency as women, I think a lot of times, is just to say yes. And I think our culture encourages that, and I actually think our churches encourage that. Because a really good woman is going to always say yes, right? Yes to everything. The good Christian woman definitely says yes to everything, right? Well, Scripture doesn't really reflect that truth, and so we dug into that. And we found some freedom in the process. That's fantastic. And that's what we're going to dig into. Let's move to that practical help that you encourage women to lose, love, and live, which sounds great. Maybe a title to a movie. (laughs) But what kinds of things should she lose, for example? It sounds interesting. (laughs) Well, we have found that the first step, and Sherry really came up with this concept, that it's 
step by step that we begin to live our one life well. First, we have to lose who we're not. I've started thinking about our minds and our hearts as an episode of hoarders. For a lot of women, we have such clutter that there is no room to actually live the life that God has created us for and called us to. Mm -hmm. So when you lose something, how do we get to the point, how do women get to the point where it's okay, it's good to lose something? Because I'm sure it feels counterintuitive. Oh, it feels it feels terrible. I mean, first of all, humans are loss averse. We don't like the idea of losing anything. But, you know, I love helping. I love helping even when people don't know they need help. I'm a specialist <laughs> at diving on in and being a problem preventer. And they should be so grateful for me showing up and seeing so far in advance that I can just swoop in and save the day. And it turns out most of the time they're really irritated with me. And they don't recognize problems the way I do. And so, you know, I, I used to think that this meant it was in a special gift from God. Well, actually, the name for that is meddling. When I haven't been asked to step in and help, and actually sometimes I would prevent the consequences that needed to happen so they could learn. But at the core, Sherry, it's giving you a feeling of worthiness. Oh, you feel goodness, good yes. about doing that. And, and that's got to be... Me, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I see it in Jean again. But yeah. The, but there is that pull that you, you feel a certain self-worth from yeah. stepping in and fixing a problem, doing the mm-hmm. right thing, having the right answer. Mm-hmm. And we all suffer from that to a degree. Yeah. But but how do you keep it in that healthy place and not the intrusion place? You know, what we've discovered, especially, well, I've discovered especially in our collaboration, is when we're working together on a project, we have given each other permission to speak into each other's lives, to speak into the project, and that stays on both board. We have boundaries around it. It's really healthy. What I just described is like one day my husband decided he was going to make blueberry pancakes. I decided to stay in the kitchen and watch him, so I faked. <laughs> I feigned. I'm like, oh, I'll make an apple crisp. I did not need to make an apple crisp. And I'm, I'm busy making the apple crisp. I'll keep keeping an eye on him because he's doing everything wrong. I'm biting my tongue, and I'm like, when okay, this is... Okay, this is pancakes, man. i got to uh, talk to your blueberry husband. Blueberry pancakes. <laughs> Come on. Well, he, he that's the blueberries and hot water, guys. I'm sorry. It was going to turn everything an ugly Can't shade of blue. You would do that. Why would he do so and he had know. the temperature too high. And I'm watching him, and I'm just, I'm like ready to jump in and save him if he even, you know, looks my direction. And he leaves the room. And I check, and he's burning the pancakes. <laughs> okay. So that's a talent, let me it, tell you. But I come back to my apple crisp, and in my f- hyper focus on his stuff, I've added, you know how apple crisp has an oatmeal brown sugar crumble on top? Sure. I've thrown all the oatmeal in with the apples, and they're now the consistency of glue. You know, all that oat gooeyness, and it takes me 20 minutes to clean up my mess. And it was one of those moments where I went, I just caused myself a ton of work. My husband ate his pancakes. He was fine. He did not have a problem. I saw a problem that didn't exist, and I jumped in. And there was no need. Well, and I don't know. Burning pancakes would be a problem. He was fine I don't think it. my kids would eat those. But <laughs> he didn't <laughs> but ask for help. Yeah, he didn't need the help. I was. It was meddlesome me jumping right, in let, that day. Let me ask that obvious follow-up question, especially in marriage, when you have that kind of thing going on. Let's say, okay, a, a wife is recognizing, wow, what Sherry just said is so true. I tend to. Uh, intrude into mm. the problems my husband might be experienced rather than be invited in. Again, how do you manage that? Do you, hey, honey, uh, you need some help from me? How do you broach that subject without irritating him? 
Well, I'm going to set Sherry up for this because I say that the best page in the book is the where she made a chart on the difference between helping and meddling. And listen, and you shared that with your husband. <laughs> no, no. Okay, good. This was just between the two Go of back you. And look at it. <laughs> but I have this it is copied. Accountability. Yes, it is. Okay, good. Well, I have it copied on my and put on my refrigerator, especially not only in marriage but in our interactions with our adult sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. That this is really important. I said I really should have it tattooed on my arm. You know, that <laughs> Don't chart. do that. So tell us some of the things on that chart, Sherry. Well, let me do the caveat that I'm not talking about when you are actually in a role of advocating for somebody who can't advocate for themselves. Right, and I'm not talking different. about early parenting, but I'm talking about people who are perfectly capable of taking responsibility for themselves. So helping is by invitation. And let me tell you, my husband never asked for help. So that's why I was constantly jumping in. But meddling is by invasion. So yes, okay. I would invade, insert myself where I didn't belong. Helping is going to ask and it's going to be respecting the other person, whereas meddling is going to assume and presume. And like I said earlier, it's going to prevent some of those necessary consequences, especially with our adult kids, that they need to learn for themselves. And, you know, when it came down to it, I just didn't want to experience the pain of those natural consequences. I wanted to prevent them in the first place. I'm, I'm not a problem solver so much as I'm a problem preventer. Right. But it prevents a lot of learning along the way. Yeah. And, and uh, control issues can be yes. found in that arena. Amy, uh, let me ask you to describe uh, the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Again, a topic that you use in the book. What's the difference? Well, Sherry and I both describe ourselves as reforming perfectionists, but they, it applies to anybody who feels like they have to be all things to all people. And a fixed mindset says that I either do it right or do it wrong. And if I do it wrong, it's the worst thing ever. But a growth mindset says little failures along the way lead to growth and a better life. And what we have found is that the scariest thing for a woman who feels like she doesn't love her life anymore and she wants to change it, the thought of trying to change and not being able to is terrifying. And so that's Crippling. what keeps, yes, it keeps so many of us paralyzed and stuck where we are. But there is good news because God not only made our brains for change, we're kind of brain science geeks, we're both former educators, that he made our minds, they have neuroplasticity. We are created literally by God for change. And that he doesn't make us so that we have to do the change on our own. He gives us Jesus-empowered change. Hmm. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. What do moms love about Focus on the Family's Clubhouse magazine? I love watching her have so much fun, and I know that every page is pointing her to the Lord. I love that my son teaches me about Jesus from what he learned in Clubhouse magazine. I love watching them get all excited when they run to the mailbox each month. To order your magazine subscription to Clubhouse or Clubhouse Junior, please visit us at clubhousemagazine.ca. That's clubhousemagazine.ca. Are you a pastor or ministry leader? Are you thinking of making a transition from your current ministry position? Before you do, take some time in a quiet place to reconnect with God. Focus on the Family Canada has designed a renewal retreat for couples in ministry. Come visit us at Kareth Retreats, a quiet sanctuary where you can receive from God and deepen your connection to Him, your spouse, and your calling. Find rest, find renewal, find reconnection with God. Find out more at karethretreats.ca. 
Check out Focus on the Family Canada's daily broadcast app and join millions of listeners as they tune into the daily broadcast every day with Jim Daly and John Fuller. Featuring interviews with a variety of Christian experts giving tips and advice on how to be a better spouse, parent, or follower of Christ. Take an authentic and inspirational look at the family, all from a godly perspective. Get the free app today at focusonthefamily.ca slash mobile, or visit your Apple, Google, or Windows app store. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Let's get to the love who you are uh, portion of the book. Uh, Why do women have such a tough time loving who they are? And some Christians will say, well, it sounds not correct to love myself. It's antithetical to our faith because we're sinners, saved by grace, given by God. So we love God, but we don't love ourselves. Unpack that for us. You know... Amy and I have both done this separately when we've spoken to groups of women where we've um, asked them to make a list of their weaknesses. And if you ask a group of women to do that, you will hear pens scratching furiously. <laughs> you raise... give a time limit, right? Yeah, they want more paper. Yes. I mean, it, it's crazy. Okay, are you going to say this now when you do it for men? What do you hear? People start talking right away. I'm not sure I have many of those. What weakness do I have? I can bench 200 pounds. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm being no. a little belligerent toward no. men. Don't write us or email us. I get it. I'm being funny. But then if we turn the tables and say, okay, now make a list of your God-given strengths, mm. you will hear crickets wow. chirping. And so we aren't saying don't you know, ignore your weaknesses, okay? That, that's not the message at all. But one of the things that we really wanted to do in the book, in this section on love who you are, is say, spend some time really embracing who God did, in fact, create you to be. Get to know who that person is. I spent so long trying to shore up my weaknesses, you know. And when I went through and looked at the story of Jesus feeding the the 5,000 again, and and what do they bring to Jesus? They bring this little handful of weakness, (laughs) five loaves and two fishes. How far will this go among so many? And that's, I think, how women are feeling at 2.37 in the morning. How far can one of me, with all my frailties, go among all of these needs? And so what women like us do is we go to Barnes & Noble and we buy out the self-help aisle. Yeah. And we try to shore up our weaknesses and we hyper-focus on those weaknesses and we try to be like other people. And when we hand our weaknesses over to God, he's the one who transforms them. And when we trust him to be the one that we're following and that, that he made us on purpose for his purpose— And so whatever those strengths are that he gave us, it's okay to focus on those, not as a way to say, look at me, but as a way to glorify him. That being who he created us to be is actually an an act of worship. And to try to be somebody else or to be so apologetic, no, 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 what we we have recognized as false humility. We can spend so much time trying to wallow in those weaknesses rather than standing up and saying, yes, God made me, you know, I'm a researcher. I've yeah. actually come to embrace being a researcher, and Amy has the gift of the gab that God is using in amazing ways. Amy, let me ask you this in that context, what Sherry's just described there. When you hear somebody, hopefully your husband, let's get it to an intimate example where he says, do you know how much God loves you? How did you react to that 10 years ago, and how do you react to that today? God That's loves you. I'm glad you put a time frame around that, because let me tell you how I, re- even hearing you say it, I had this visceral reaction right Isn't sitting right here and I teared up. 
Yeah, I and I'm it. willing to receive that because God's done such a work in me. Ten years ago, I dare say I probably would have had a different reaction, and I might have even started listing all the reasons he really shouldn't. That's where you would go. Yeah. Well, there's but women God's listening. done a transformation. It's possible yeah. to step into this woman God created that he loves so much. As Sherry said, I love how David said, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. If David had just said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, mm-hmm. that's just arrogance. But he says, I praise you. So he gave credit to his creator. And if we will do that too, we can step into this beautiful place of loving ourselves because we are so deeply loved. Well, and again, everybody, I think to a degree struggles, uh, women, men with that. But uh, I think women struggle Mm. a bit more Mm. because of the self-doubt and the self-loathing that occurs, that I'm not good (laughs) enough, that I didn't do the Christmas party right. And uh, Sherry, you talk about a story where your mom took you to to meet someone or to hear someone speak. Mm. Use that uh, story because I think it describes what we're talking about to a degree. You know, when I was 16, my mother went to hear Florence Littauer speak on the four personalities. And she came home and she gave us all a personality test. And her worst fears were confirmed that she was the only sane human being in a house full of crazy people. (laughs) It may have been rigged. (laughs) She was actually pretty much right. But she took me to hear Florence the next day. And... You know, I was I was awestruck by Florence. You know, she was such an amazing communicator. And what I I wanted to be just like her when I grew up, just like her. And what I discovered is what starts out as an ideal, like it, it was okay to say, well, you know, I, I gained so much. God worked so powerfully through her. But then to idealize another person, I think this is what happens with women, is we end up putting people on pedestals, we idealize them, and we don't realize how quickly an ideal can morph into an idol. Huh. And so it was really important for me to realize I can admire, I can appreciate Florence, um, I could I could receive all of the the teachings she had, but then for me to really respect her teaching, I needed to embrace my actual personality yeah. and the person that God created me to be and let her be herself and me be myself. And that touches on this uh, other area again that that Jean helped illuminate for me if if the two things Jean has always struggled with is overcommitment, saying yes too much, and then failing at it, and then beating herself up that she didn't perform at the level she set for herself. The other is that comparison yes. trap, and that's kind of what you're describing, yeah. right? The yeah. the idea that, especially with social media today, the comparison trap mm-hmm. is horrific. Mm-hmm. You know, my kid's party wasn't quite like Betty's. You know, whatever. Um, how how do you get out of that trap, Amy? Well, I think we start to embrace our quirks as perks. And I know that sounds... Quirks as perks. Okay, (laughs) that sounds like a coffee thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sherry and I have given each other superpower names. She she is nerdy girl who loves the research, and I'm wordy girl because I have... You're wordy girl. I have even more (laughs) words than the average woman in me. And for a long time, I felt ashamed of that. But when I started realizing that the power of words and how we can overuse words, that I felt ashamed of that. On my third trip to India, I saw an example of how God can turn our quirks into perks that really changed the way I thought about that. We got to meet a man named Raju. Raju, early in his life, was orphaned, and he went into a city to try to survive and ran into the worst of the worst. Every abuse that you can imagine, Raju suffered. Uh. 
But Raju had this thing in him, this thirst for justice, but he connected with the wrong people and it landed him in jail through protesting and violence. Turned out that that jail was the best thing that ever happened to Raju because he heard the gospel there and he accepted Jesus. Well, Raju literally lived in a tent made of trash. All, all the things he had picked out that he could piece together to make a large tent he had. But Raju was, he had taken that thirst for justice and done great good for his people there. He was a leader. And in that tent, our group was there. Raju led a worship service that I couldn't understand a word of, but I found myself weeping. And I realized that God had made a tabernacle out of that tent made of trash, that it was Mm. the most tangible presence of God that I had ever felt before. God had redeemed his quirk of this justice thing that got him in trouble and turned it into his greatest strength for God's glory in this community. And he can do the same for us. God doesn't reject the foolish, the lowly, and the weak. He chooses them. He chooses us. And he takes those weaknesses and redeems us into things that we can love. So nerdy girl and wordy girl. (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that redemption Mm -hmm. aspect of what the Lord does for us. Sherry, we're nearing the end here, but part of your testimony, your story, is that you had an eating disorder. Focus gets, you know, quite a... Mm -hmm lot of uh, emails and phone calls from women particularly who are struggling with that. And this happened, I think, just after high school for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for those folks particularly, or for anybody that's battling, uh, you know, that hidden secret thing, um, how did your relationship with God change that? And how did you get free of that? I was actually in an eating disorder, you know, for six weeks, and this was back in the 80s when they really didn't know what to do with us. You know, there, there, there was all sorts of attempts with therapy and stuff. And I think I left and I, I, I had a slight awareness that I had a problem. I mean, I remember when I was, um, I was admitted, the doctor was telling my parents, well, anorexia nervosa is uh, attempting to commit suicide slowly. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to kill myself. And it was one night after a very difficult family therapy session. And I say difficult because they wanted me to share my emotions with my parents. And I'm like, oh, no, we're a family of thinkers, not feelers. So that's not going to happen. And I went back to my room and I, I was going to read myself to sleep out of my Bible. But I got into Psalm 18 and it talks about the cords of death being wrapped around me and the coils of destruction in the grave. And I suddenly, that was the moment I realized, hang on, I am dying. And what happened at that moment was that God rescued me and from the eating disorder, but he also offered me refuge, rescue and refuge. And what I only now realize is that I said yes to rescue, but I said no to refuge. I felt like I had to then take care of myself after that. Mm. And I think that's something that many women fall into, is feeling like, okay, God does the saving, but I, and I think this is where the pressure comes from. This is where that sense of failure comes from. God saves, God rescues, but the rest is up to me. And to realize that, no, actually, the more I think I need to do, the more I actually need to pull back and take refuge in God, because then he's going to be the one who says, yes, this. No, you don't need to do that. Yes, you can say yes to that because that's something of me. But no, all of these requests, those are all to make you feel better. Those are all about control. Yeah, that is so, so good. Man, Amy and Sherry, the time has flown by. That usually means we've enjoyed our conversation together. And I think this is such good help for that broken 
hearted woman who has just been so rough and tough on herself. And I hope uh, you'll get a copy of the book. In fact, uh, when you order that from Focus on the Family Canada, the proceeds go right back into the ministry. They go to helping uh, to strengthen marriages and families, saving babies' lives, and bringing the hope of Jesus to people who need them. So get in touch with us and order your copy of this great book today. Yeah, and we're a phone call away. Our number is 800, the letter A, and the word family. Or stop by the website to get your copy of Exhale, Lose Who You're Not, Love Who You Are, Live Your One Life Well. Written by our guests, Amy Carroll and Sherry Gregory. You'll find it at focusonthefamily.ca. Amy and Sherry, uh, thank you so much for being back here at Focus. It's been great. Thanks so much for having us. It's always a delight. It's so much fun. And uh, we thank you for joining us and invite you back on Monday after hopefully a good weekend with your family and your church family as well. We'll be hearing from Dr. David Anderson. He'll offer some encouraging insights about how we can all bridge the racial divide. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. And uh, we'll see you here next time as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.